Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with Awilda Rivera. I'm really excited today because I have Shirley Johnson with me. Uh, many of you may know her as Solistic Well. Instagram. She is not only a licensed marriage and family therapist who's bringing some very important wisdom and knowledge to all the communities that she's a part of, but she's also a yogi, a meditation teacher, a a student of Kundalini and a teacher of Kundalini, and just an all-around badass who's really teaching us all about reparenting one post and inspirational quote at a time. Thank you so much for being here, Shirley. Thank you, Wilda. What a sweet... Thank you so much. Well, I mean, it was all true. You know, I've never been a very good liar. So so I I pride myself on just speaking the truth and everything that I just said about it was true. And I'm really excited because, you know, while I've had people in the mental health world on the show before, I have never had someone on from the reparenting um, methodology or that sort of genre of psychology and I think it's really important and really uh, relevant especially right now when a lot of people are at home working on reparenting themselves because they're faced with who they really are and we'll we'll get into that Um, clearly you can sense how excited I am to talk (laughs) about it but before we get too far afield I want to give you a moment to just speak a little bit about kind of what brought you specifically to this type of of practice um a therapeutic practice and and sort of what it's meant to you to be in that practice and kind of like your your superhero origin story if you will sure yeah i think well i will start with saying that this i never dreamed that this would be where i would be as an adult uh this wasn't the goal that I had as a child, it kind of chose me and I accepted and surrendered to the purpose and my purpose on this planet. And so there's a way that sometimes we have ideas about who or what our jobs or careers are going to be. And I'm sure you can relate to this too. Um, We're conditioned in many ways to fulfill certain goals by set by our parents or families or society. And then at a certain point, we realize sometimes those goals are not our, our actual purpose. So I, I'll just fast forward to, I'll say as a young, as a very young person, both of my parents were artists, they were both musicians. So I grew up in a household that was both very creative and also um, somewhat (laughs) chaotic and unstable at the same time. And I was one of those young people who thrived in the academic arena. I figured out from a young age that academics was going to give me a way to create more opportunities in my life. So I ended up, I went to college and then after college I graduated and I took the route that I think was societally acceptable. I worked in corporate finance And as soon as I started working, I just remembered hitting a sort of existential point where I was like, this is it. Like, I went to college and worked my ass off in high school and college, et cetera, to like 
come to work and like do this thing every day. And so I knew even at the age of like 21 or 22 that that kind of setting wasn't going to work for me. Um, I was really sensitive. I also was, I'm one of those types of people who questions everything. So as soon as someone is saying, this is what you're doing and is trying to like feed me the Kool-Aid, I'm questioning what's in the Kool-Aid, who made it, how much sugar (laughs) it got. That's always been one of the things I've admired oh. about you as someone who's who's known you for a while. I know, because we've while. known each other a long time. I don't know if I was <laughs> like that then, but I'm glad to hear maybe I had that still active. Um, so anyway, went to college, worked in corporate, and then worked in corporate real estate development. And that was really where I became aware that I was, this was not, this matrix living was not going to work for me. And it manifested actually as a rash on my body where I was like, okay, I'm getting a rash. And I was thinking, you know, is it a detergent? Is it this? And it was shown to me very clearly after I went on vacation and was completely disconnected because, you know, this was back in the day when your cell phone didn't work. It didn't work. There was no like internet or roaming and I was out of the country. And the, 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 the rash went away and it was very clear to me. I had the moment of like, okay, there's this link between the body, the mind, the emotional state, the spirit. And from that point on, I just really started seeking um, to keep learning about what that link is, what that connection is, which, you know, eventually led me to deepen my yoga practice and complete a couple of yoga teacher trainings and then led me to graduate school to then be a, a licensed psychotherapist now. Ooh, so much in there. <laughs> a couple things that you said that I wanna I wanna touch base. I feel like, and I mean, people always know they can run this back and listen to it. But there's something that you said about being in a in a space where, as a child, you are around people who are incredibly creative, yet it was a chaotic environment. People who may be able to relate to that in one way or another. Maybe, you know, there was some stability, but it was still chaotic. Or maybe they felt protected, but it was still chaotic. And there's something about coming from a place where there is a chaos that we're aware of as children, yet we identify what is that good thing and we hang on to that and how that can kind of affect where we're going. I can only speak for myself that I know that, you know, in the chaos of my childhood, I sought out doing all the things that I thought were going to be stable based on what society told me would lead me to be stable. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I could, I could hear how a lot of people listening that might just kind of be like, you know, kind of gloss by, but that's really important. So, okay. So you, went on to grad school to to become a therapist and then how did you come across reparenting and how was it that you were like yes this is not only what I need to do but oh my gosh I need to find a way to to share this with people my own age people younger than me people in my community people of color well um (laughs) interestingly enough I, when I was in graduate school, one of the requirements for folks who are in my field specifically is you, in order to be eligible down the line for, well, one, to graduate from the program I graduated from, and two, to be able to 
then um, have the standards to be able to eventually take the licensing exam is you have to be in therapy in your own personal therapy for, I think it's like 50 consecutive weeks with ideally the same person. And so part of my process of being in grad school then meant I entered therapy. And so I was in therapy in grad school. And then when I went into this next phase of knowing I was going to have to be with the same person, they had to be a licensed person. I was really diligent in searching for a therapist and I wanted to work with a black woman. And so I found my therapist who I still am a client of today of I'm like six years in the work with her and she's amazing. And a lot of the work that she introduced me to was the work of inner, like really doing in-depth inner child and reparenting work. And so I think it is by really experiencing this work and experience how I've seen it change my own life and see how it changed my own relationship to myself and therefore to the world that I, it's just sort of ingrained in me at this point. Like I just see everything in terms of how our younger parts have or have not been nurtured and how then that shows up in our adult lives. Mm. Perfect segue, <laughs> because some people may have been listening what reparenting is and not actually know. So can you enlighten us a little bit? I know, and I know that there are volumes written on this and it is very nuanced. So I know that this will be mm-hmm. a, a sort of a watered down <laughs> explanation, but if you could just enlighten us a little bit on what reparenting actually is and why, you know, we really need to be. Yeah. Well, I'll it. just say, I'll say a few things. One is, so I want to name first the concept I brought up of the inner child, which also might be new for folks and that it relates to reparenting. So the concept of the inner child is the idea that within adults, right? That there is, we have an inner child. And I would even say we have inner children, right? Because we have the inner child who's five, we have the inner child who's 10 years old. So that it means that even as we grow up, we still have these remnants and these parts of our younger selves within us. And this speaks also to, you know, being a person, I think, you know, being a person of indigenous and West African descent, we really call on our ancestors and we lean on our ancestors. And it relates to the Sankofa principle that um, it is not taboo to go back and Mm -hmm. fetch what has been forgotten or is at risk of being forgotten. So it's, to me, it's really working or thinking about the inner child is also a reminder of Sankofa that there are things maybe in our childhood that happened or that didn't get taken seriously. And, and that our job as adults become, and this is what reparenting I would say is, our job then as an adult becomes to go back and fetch what is at law lo- at excuse me what is at risk of being lost or forgotten and we go back and fetch these younger parts of ourselves and learn how to care for those parts in the ways that that part or that age did not get cared for as a younger person and i want to say it doesn't negate that our parents or caregivers were doing the best that they could this isn't about blaming our parents or saying our parents were not good or our caregivers. This is about though, taking full responsibility of ourself and realizing that actually it is our job once we hit adulthood to go back and, and give ourselves that nourishing, go back and hear the dreams we had when we were uh, a 13 year old. 
So I would say that's what the reparenting, that's how I see it. Mm, That's very powerful. I mean, to go back and give ourselves the nourishing we needed at the various ages. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Because I think so much of, yes, overall society, and please jump in here if you feel like I'm just, you know, talking (laughs) crazy here, Shirley, and I I know you're good for that. (laughs) I'm not worried. But I think so much of our society, yes, while it has been, it has evolved, yes, people are meditating and reading books by the Dalai Lama and all that. There is still a resistance to look back and really get in touch with the uncomfortable of childhood stuff. Um, There are stigmas still associated with that. And I mean, just, I can speak from my own personal experience and I know as a person of color, while we may be moving away from, you know, more readily away from maybe ideas of toxic masculinity and all this, there's, there's still that gap to be bridged where we look at, where it all comes from and how we were affected as kids. What do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on absolutely. That? I don't think this is easy work and I don't think this is glamorous work. And I often think when people come to work with me, it's, I have to kind of give the disclaimer that this work will break your heart <laughs> and with the purpose of breaking your heart open. Right. Because many of us have learned also in this society to withhold love and acceptance from ourselves. And we often learn that in our childhood. So therefore, then we become adults and we start to withhold love and and acceptance from ourselves and often in our relationships, our marriages, our boothing situations, our, you know, all types of relationships. And we are seeing, right, in our society at large, we have a relationship issue. We have an epidemic Mm -hmm. happening where people do not know how to relate to others. And I would say that stems from them not knowing how to relate to themselves, which I would, again, hypothesize is rooted in our childhood and learning from a young age. Certain qualities are good or bad or desirable or less desirable. And then from learning that, trying to become an idea or this fixture that's going to be good or perfect rather than just being ourselves. I wish y'all could see my face because I'm literally like biting both my lips. My eyes are super wide. And I was like, just, mm, I hope they're listening because it sounds so like, it sounds so like, duh. Right. When you, when someone, you know, uh, states it as succinctly and eloquently as you do, it makes sense that, hey, you can't really relate to others if you don't know how to relate to yourself. And hey, if you're not willing to really get in there with yourself and shine the light on the dark, uncomfortable parts and go back and unearth where that is all coming from, it's going to be difficult for you to get into a better relationship with yourself and cultivate that sense of self-love, which then creates self-esteem, which then allows you to be brave enough to be like, where is my true self, right? Um, So, you know, you said something that kind of segues me into and makes me understand also why you are such a hardcore yogi. And this is from another (laughs) hardcore yogi saying it. You said it breaks your heart, but it breaks your heart open. And that is like such a yogi thing to say, by the way, which I love. Um, 
but I want to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. Kundalini because it's a it's an interesting juxtaposition that you have you know created with a very grounded and almost like three-dimensional but still magical therapeutic method with the reparenting where it's like okay these are my past experiences and I see how it's affecting me in the present and I'm going to essentially send energy and connect back with that part of me to heal the now Mm -hmm. which is magical but still very grounded in the like okay how is this affecting me right now Whereas Kundalini on the flip side is hella <laughs> magical and then becomes grounded in the in the 3D after like mad magical things have shaken forth <laughs> from the planet. Now, if for those of you at home who are like, what the hell is Kundalini? Um, and I will, I'm sure Shirley will will do an even better job of explaining it, but it is a lineage of yoga that is more focused on drawing up the kundalini energy from the base or the low chakra up through the top of your chakras your crown chakra to create a uh, i hate using the word enlightenment because it means so many different things to different people but to to create sort of an awakening <laughs> surely jump in here if i'm if i'm, yeah, totally, well, if I'm butchering it that's a great that's part of it for sure and i'll just say succinctly how how I often summarize it, which is very common amongst folks I know, kundalini yoga is the yoga of awareness. So this is a practice. And I think when you're saying awakening, that's what I'm thinking. It's a practice of awareness, a practice of bringing what is unconscious into consciousness, which is the um, translation, right, from Sanskrit, the word guru into English is that which is unconscious into consciousness. So the guru is really that which supports the practitioner in bringing what is unconscious into consciousness. And we know that that is where healing happens. We know that is where intergenerational traumas stop. We know that is where curses are broken once we get conscious and aware. See, now, (laughs) and that's the magic right there. See, the way you talk about intergenerational curses and healing and all that. See, I, you're you're talking to the the chorus. I'm right there with you. I'm like, yes, amen, amen. Yet, I'm curious to know, you know, how, how do you reconcile these two things, especially for maybe other people of color, who will see kundalini and be like okay everyone's dressed in white they got turbans on they are making little (laughs) scissors with their hands and saying things for like 11 minutes it's like three minutes or 11 minutes there's no Mm -hmm. like six minute option (laughs) like you know what 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 does this mean right so how do you kind of explain to maybe less magical thinkers people who are more close to the idea that they can have this awareness through this sort of physical and spiritual alchemy. Um, and I like, but wait, wh- how do I jive that with like God and, and all of that? And, and just being a person of color, this is really weird and foreign. And mm. am I just yeah, doing these are great, great, great inquiries, because I would say that there is a culture in the Kundalini community that I would say can sometimes not be grounded or I think really reverent to the culture and country and the land of uh, South Asia, India, Pakistan, that this technology originates in. 
And so I think it is really important to, to name, you know, when we feel discomfort or when our gut picks up on things that we're like, something's off here. Um, I think it is important for anybody, but that we listen to that because not every community, and I'm sure you've experienced this in, in your practices, not every yoga community is really the community that it claims to be, nor is it for everyone. So one, yes, right. So that's a different, that's a different topic. That's a different uh, combo. But the one thing I'll say is, you know, obviously be discerning and trust your discernment. You know, when I have people who are like, oh, I wasn't feeling that. I'm like, why did you stay? Leave. If you're not feeling it, go. Um, Because also I will say, you know, this practice is not for everyone. If it resonates with you, it resonates with you. And my, again, my mantra is to really question everything. So I don't my thing to people would be don't take my word for it. I'm not trying to convince you to practice Kundalini yoga. I'm not at all. But try it out. Try whatever out and see what works for you. If the way you're living your life is working, then great. <laughs> great. Wonderful. Keep doing what you're doing. But most people are coming <laughs> to these practices because they realize something in their life is dysfunctional. It's at a still it's at a standpoint. They're recycling the same dysfunctional pattern that they've been recycling since the time they were five years old, that they saw their parents recycle, and they don't know how to do it differently. And in that case, if you want to do something differently, you have to do something differently. So that's where these practices come in. Well, it looks Mm. crazy. It is crazy. Sometimes I'm doing these things. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I got this hand up and that hand over there. And I'm (laughs) chanting and, you know, I'm chanting a, a sacred mantra that comes from a land that is not where my ancestors are from. What am I doing? But the techno, but for me, the technology works. Mm. And there's so much that you just <laughs> said just now that I want to like take a second to unpack because my hair was going up. I started sweating. It was, I was just like, oh, this is the truth that's coming out right now. Um, but yes, I want to echo in terms of yoga. There are so many different legitimate, I will underscore italicizing both legitimate lineages of yoga. And I mean that to the exclusion mm-hmm. of the gimmicky yogas. Mm-hmm. I don't need to name what they are. I'm sure if there's an animal involved, Duh. that's probably not like a lineage that came from Southeast Asia. I'm just going to put that out there, people. Um, but there's so many different lineages from people that have really studied this. And what I can't say enough is that yoga started out as a prescriptive study for individuals that then had such great um success with it that they Mm. took their prescription and shared it with other people and that's what led to these lineages so kundalini may be the general prescription Mm -hmm. that really works for you or hatha or yin or or ashtanga you know but i think the the crux of what shirley's really saying is that if you see that you're on that hamster wheel and you're aware enough to notice that then you have the power to get off and taking a radical different action is something that's going to help you move your trajectory just a, a half a centimeter in a different direction. And if you do that enough times, pretty soon you're going to be moving in a completely different direction. And that's something that my teacher um, always says, that it's just such a powerful image that it doesn't take a giant act to move you in one fell swoop into another trajectory. Mm. It takes a lot of small acts that require great bravery mm. for yeah. you to change your life. 
So, you know, that was something that she said that I was like, oh, we got to highlight that. And then also, there is something to be said about the trust that she mentioned when she was like, yes, my hand's up here and I'm chanting this and I'm not from there. And what does that all mean? And the reverence and three things that she said that are are really important because I think I'm all about working smarter and not harder. And it is an ancient technique. By that is that the same way that a Catholic was like, yes, I know I can make, I said, because they've been saying it for 500 years and there's a power mm-hmm. and an energy behind those words. The same way that a, a Sanskrit mantra that actually comes from a which as opposed to a, again, a conversation for a whole other time, but it means that just by virtue of the sounds, the sounds are creating a sacred mm-hmm. vibration. So the, there's a understanding and a faith that goes into that and not a a religious faith but a a deeper intuitive Mm -hmm. knowing that i think goes back to the all of our ancestors regardless of where they're from because all of them were more connected Mm -hmm. to the planet and to the energy and to intuition and so i think that if you are a, a, a person who has a little bit of that spiritual curiosity and is open to that then there are going to be a lot of different ways that yoga in its various forms and other ancient practices will bring some real grounding to you as a human. So I just wanted to get that out there because what Shirley said really, it really resonated with me and I didn't want to miss the opportunity to underscore the importance of what she just said. So Man, Charlie, I could literally keep you on for like an hour. Yes, I can't believe like we're already kind of running out of time. It's insane. Um, now, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit because, yes, you are a yogi and yes, you are a therapist and you are great at both. But you've also, or rather say, and you've also decided to take all this and and create a platform where you've been organically just sharing the truth of, of your work and of this work and of this message. And you've grown like a, a 10,000 person community. <laughs> like it's a lot of people who are, or even more than that now at this point, who are just really getting a lot of benefit from simply having you be someone that's in their atmospheric world. So talk to me a little bit about like, you know, what's that like? Is it heady? Is it even something that you think about? Or is it just like, I'm out here just spreading the word? Yeah, it's mostly just, um, I don't, I don't think it's 10,000 people, but (laughs) I, it's um, close. It's close to 10,000. You know, I think initially I just joined Instagram to right like many years ago to, to just stay in touch with my friends. I had moved to California from New York. So just to see the photos and I, I love photography in general. So a fun way to, to kind of keep playing with that art form. And I guess like, I don't really think about it because I know a lot of people are really strategic about their social media pages. And I'm a big believer really that, um, you know, there is something to, if you want to take social media as your marketing route, you can take that. But the, the best marketing is being yourself and the best marketing is um, done by spirit. And you and having mm. the people who relate to you 
authentically will will vibe with you and you'll vibe with them and and the rest will not and that's fine because I think a lot of there's also when you get really deep I think into the branding sometimes you have to um, you're thinking about what would other people like rather than like what do I really want to say right now or like what do I really think is Mm. interesting right now you know whether it's something silly or something this really coming from a deep place of reflection like that like there's room for all of you rather than like I can only use these five color and you know for some people again that works I'm not knocking it but to me (laughs) I I have no like interest in that because one I just don't think my mind is organized enough to to be that consistent um about something like that but I I really just move like when I feel moved I like to share um what is interesting or moving to me. And sometimes it's really silly stuff, you know, like I love memes. I don't share all the memes that I would, would think about sharing, but um, <laughs> yeah. Well, let me say this, Shirley. Um, it has been such a pleasure and quite refreshing to be able to get just a just a sip of your authenticity. I can tell why your community is growing. And I mean, I've always found you quite <laughs> Aww, enchanting since we were 10 years old. There's, you know, you are just a person that has a great personality. You have a great spirit and, you know, whatever you're doing, you're giving it your all and you're doing it to the best of your ability. So it's really to the benefit of all of us that you've chosen to use all of that for good um, and have been so generous with sharing your knowledge with the rest of us um, in the ways that you do. So I ask everybody at the end of this, of, of this segment, um, you know, if someone has been listening really close and has like five pages of notes because they're just like, man, Shirley is the shit. And like, I'm going to go right now online and follow her at Holistic Wellness. And I'm going to just be like all up on it, you know, and they were like, man, you know, I'm kind of a mess, but I feel so inspired to like get my shit together. And like, maybe I'm going to even try to try to reparent myself, Lord. I'm going to try something, you know, if you could give them just one piece of information that would help them sort of get on the, the winning life, like Shirley train, um, you know, what would that last piece of, of, of advice be? The first, that's a two part. First part is breathe, (laughs) just breathe. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. so much of our stress is caused by just not, properly breathing and and so many of the things we think are a mess or we think are not working are really when we slow down and breathe we have a lot more insight and space to actually reflect and learn from from those things the second part I would say is really like unconditional love and seeing everything as a teacher for you Um, there's so much I think there is so much familiarity with judging ourselves oh I'm a mess this is wrong I you know what I have this thing going on I need to get my shit together all of this stuff is just a a way of being like I don't I'm not seeing myself as enough right now and I'm not loving myself just the way I am right now so we have to love ourselves when we're a quote-unquote mess we need to love ourselves well I'll just speak for myself I my what's works for me is loving myself when I'm a mess when I think I'm a mess Loving the part of me that's angry, loving the part of me that's sad when she shows up, loving the part of me that's silly, 
loving the part of me, right? And this is with the inner child work, loving the five-year-old playful part of me, loving the moody emo 15-year-old part of me. Really, if you want to, <laughs> it's about loving every single part of yourself and not judging any single part of yourself. That's it. Full, radical, loving mm. acceptance. And mm. for people of color, for black folks, for women, for black women, folks, this is a radical, revolutionary act to unconditionally love every part of yourself. You might not vote, but if you love yourself unconditionally, there is an energetic, revolutionary vibration you are putting into the universe. My hair is standing up, y'all. Literally. All the, no, I'm not even BSing. Like, my hair is on my arm. I just can't stop sweating. I'm like, yo, I feel the energy right now so heavy. Like, in a good way. But no, guys, <laughs> I mean, for ladies, whoever, you know, I just, but I'm listening. from my experience of being a black You woman. know, whatever, whatever yeah. your gender pronoun is, whatever race you are, you know, what she's saying is so so deep like so real and I can tell y'all from my own many hours of therapy like it always comes back to are Mm -hmm. you loving yourself in however you're showing up in the moment you know and that is really the hardest thing we can do and you know and depending on when you might be listening to the show you might be listening to the show in 2024 but if you're listening to this show in 2020 and we and we just got out of this or we're going through this corona virus pandemic this is really a time that you you know you need to be so mm-hmm. loving and and compassionate and patient with yourself and when you think you can't be any more compa- uh, compassionate and patient you got to try yeah a and then harder. even love you love the part of yourself that's having a hard time with it <laughs> love the party then you that's can even right get that's that. right love the part of yourself that's not doing it you know, because this is the this is the other part mm-hmm. of yoga that is so been so instrumental to my own personal peace and con- and it's a consistent. You know, it's not like I'm peace at peace all the time, but building the witness capacity, building the capacity to witness, even mm-hmm. when you're like I don't feel like loving myself. Okay, well then love that part of yourself, right? There's always a part to witness. So true. That tapas, that heat, that discipline, that working on working on the uncomfortable. Ooh, girl, Ooh, well, thank you, Shirley. Thank, I mean, <laughs> y'all need to run this back and listen to it again because I'm sure there's many things you missed, not because you were listening, but because you were listening so hard that you got caught up on something else that she said and you were, like, thinking about that for 30 seconds and were like, dang, what just happened? So... Again, Shirley, thank you so much. This was so informational, important, right on time. And I think, you know, it's going to turn the light bulb on for a lot of people who have been looking looking for the switch. And, you know, you kind of pointed us in the right direction, put our hand on the wall and said, just feel for it. It's there. So thank you so much. Y'all, as she said, the number one most important thing is to love yourself however you're showing up in the moment. Even the parts mm-hmm. that are crabby Absolutely. and grumpy, they're worth loving too. We love y'all. And until next time, get out there and work.